Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And no party like a transfer portal party because a transfer portal party just continues to go on and on and on. Even before we got on the air, just moments before, we had more portal action. So we're glad to have you here. We got a ton to unpack. As I just alluded to, the transfer portal is going absolutely crazy. We got some big names that have either already jumped in there or have kind of put out that little statement on Twitter and said, hey, I intend to jump in there. And so you're watching that queue to see if they actually do enter in there in the next 48 hours. Also got to talk about some more predictions for where some of these quarterbacks might be headed. The dominoes are slowly but surely starting to fall. Anybody who told you there was an offseason in college football lied straight to your face. We're still playing games clearly, but I promise you this transfer portal action will continue on throughout the rest of the next couple of weeks and we'll have more noise in the offseason with the coaching carousel and after the spring practice we'll have more portal news regardless we're glad to have you in here this is the hard count the people's college football show college football every single day of the year today is wednesday december 6 2023 the last one on the face of the planet so you know what we got to do got to make it a great one we're glad to have you part of this whole operation uh a m they've hired their offensive coordinator colin klein from kansas state is headed to take over play calling duties there. Mike Elko grabbing his guy to kind of run the offense. And yes, there's some things we'll talk about when it comes to what he's bringing to the offense, but I think there's actually probably a little bit more than what meets the eye with that Colin Klein hire. So we'll give you our thoughts on that and what that means culturally for Texas A&M, what that means for standards for Texas A&M. I think that's a pretty big deal. Also, we kind of got to take a step back and say, what is going on within the transfer portal? Because I think... Before we get into portal season, there's always this part of the media, and, I, and I've also kind of been a part of this to a degree, 
that says, well, we're going to see some tier one names. We're going to see the, you know, Heisman Trophy candidates of the world maybe test the portal waters. And then we get to Portal Monday, and they haven't jumped in yet. Then we get further and further into it. And before you know it, the portal cycle's over. The window's closed, and we're like, huh, some good names in there, some really good names, some guys that are going to make a huge impact. But we didn't really see, you know, those tier one A-level guys jump in. Why is that? We got some, uh, some intel for you as to why you're seeing what you're seeing with the transfer portal and what actually happens within the portal. So we'll give you our thoughts on that, give you what's going on there. And we're just glad to have you here. I said it yesterday on our, on our live show, and I want to make sure we echo it right now. Uh, getting to do this for a job is one of the great honors of my life. Getting to have this back and forth with y'all on this show is one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing in this world outside of my beautiful wife, my family, and, and faith. All that's to say, we're glad to have you here. I won't get too sentimental, but uh, just know that we appreciate you. So let's get right into it, man. The transfer portal continuing to pop off even as we're on the air right now. I'm sure there's more names that are probably jumping in or maybe announcing their intentions to enter. So when we get some news, we'll tell you. But Patrick Payton last night announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. So to be clear, the star edge from Florida State has announced that he plans to enter. At the time of us being live, I do not believe his name is officially in the transfer portal. He's extremely productive. I mean, last year he had 13 tackles for a loss, six sacks, uh, 6'5", 240. Now, what I've been told is he would like to stay at Florida State. That's what I've been told. What this is to me, or what I've been told that this whole thing is, it's a negotiating tactic, and he would like to be paid. Is again, what I'm being told. And the thought is, well, if he were to go in the portal and go somewhere else, he could get a pretty high value to be somewhere else. And he would like to be paid a certain, you know, to, to a certain degree and uh, would like to be taken seriously with his, you know, level of pay he'd like to receive. So that's kind of the, the, the rumblings on him. Again, that's what I'm hearing. Can't confirm that, but that's what, that's what I'm hearing. Regardless, wherever he goes, if he stays at Florida State or he goes somewhere else, he is a star. Okay, Florida State fans, you saw his impact and what he was last year for your Knowles. Like, dude is a ball player. Okay, so whether he stays at Florida State, whether he goes somewhere else, he has the ability, in my estimation, to take over games. Big-time player. Very, very big-time player is Patrick Payton. So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep you in the loop there. Uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders announced that he plans to enter the transfer portal. This is a big back now. Six foot two, 240. First team All-SEC guy in 2022. He's dinged up quite a bit this past season. He's got one year left. Now, he's from the state of Florida, and we always say this whenever guys jump in the portal right away. You start looking at, okay, well, where are they from? Where did they you know, go to high school? Where's family at? I keep an eye on the Florida schools by nature of you know where he's from. He's going to have a lot of options. All right, this isn't one of those guys where you have to like take a chance on him and say, well, he didn't really pan out somewhere. We got to bring him in here, and maybe he can fit in our system like – you know what you're getting in Rocket Sanders. His resume speaks for itself with how productive he was, and again, being an All-SEC guy in 2022. So he's planning to enter the portal. We'll keep you in the loop there, but he will have a fair amount of options when he does end up in there. Uh, now, this guy has officially entered the portal. Tight end Jake Johnson from Texas A&M, 6'6", 240. He was the number two tight end in the 2022 class. Now, he's got three years left. So you bring in Jake Johnson, and it's not a, okay, we got one year with him. Like, you can work him into your offense. He can be a leader in that locker room for you. He can help those young guys as he, you know, 
goes further and further into his time on campus. Um, extremely productive in 2023, 24 catches, four touchdowns. And I think in modern college football, having a tight end like a Jake Johnson is becoming more and more of a need and less of a luxury. Like having a chess piece that you can split out in the slot and can also put his hand in the dirt and block somebody. We're seeing that across a lot of these elite college football programs like a Georgia, like a Michigan. Having one, if not two tight ends that you can flex out and put, you know, safeties and linebackers in a, a difficult position or a mismatch becoming something that I think you again more so of a need than a than a want to compete at the highest level so he'll have his fair share of options as well the obvious school to watch here is where his brother just committed to all but a couple of weeks ago I suppose Max Johnson committed to North Carolina I'm watching North Carolina here pretty heavily now keep an eye on this too uh, th they may not necessarily be a lock of a package deal but that has to be the school that you would imagine gets a little bit of juice uh, also Jake Johnson worth noting he's from the state of Georgia so Never know if the Bulldogs would be in play here, too. Keep an eye on that. Staying in College Station now, uh, LT Overton, defensive lineman from Texas A&M. He plans to enter the transfer portal. Again, plans is the key word there. Not officially turned up in there yet. Six foot five, 265. If this name sounds familiar, it's because he was at one point in time the number one recruit in the class of 2023. All right, then he go ahead, goes ahead and, and reclassifies to 2022. He says, you know what? Promise for suckers, I'm going to go ahead and reclassify, graduate a year early. Dude was still a five-star in the 2022 class, okay? They only give out 32 of them. So to still be a five-star after reclassifying says something about his ability, he's got two years left of eligibility. He is a stud. Given in the right you know, system and place to develop and flourish, he can be a ball player for you. So keep an eye on him. Obviously, extremely talented. Uh, will be a dog somewhere, wherever he ends up at. Uh, Clemson cornerback Toriano Pride was a top 10 corner in the class of 2022. He's currently the number one cornerback in the transfer portal. Okay, so he's uh, he's going to be a guy that I think has his fair share of options as well. Going back to the whole conversation around modern college football, it's becoming increasingly important too with how these offenses will spread you out and put you out on the sideline. You got to have a corner that can play man-to-man -man coverage and live on an island. Toriano Pride could be the answer for some of these schools. Uh, now, here's some uh, some commitments that we got now. Told you a lot about the portal latest and guys jumping in. We're getting to that part of the year now where we get a little bit of juice around these commitments. Domino starting in the fall. Chris Tyree transferred from Notre Dame. Now he's landed at Virginia. Okay, he was a running back and a wide receiver at Notre Dame at different points in his career. Transferring to Virginia. This makes sense. Again, going back to the whole hometown thing. He's from the DMV. Talked about Maryland being a factor potentially. He's going to Virginia, so he'll be a weapon there. Chris Tyree is someone that, when he entered the portal, we, we went right to the hometown thought around him because there's there, there's no school that wouldn't need a Chris Tyree. Someone who's explosive with the ball in his hands, can return punts for you, has proven he can play running back for you, can play receiver for you, so big get for Virginia. Uh, the quarterback domino is now starting the fall. You got Tyler Shuck saying, you know what, year seven, baby. Let's go for it. Let's, let's run that back one more time. Uh, let's play football, in the words of uh, his commitment tweet, in the words of his now head coach, Jeff Brom. We got to put some respect on Tyler Shuck's name, man, because I think this is a dude that has been uh, maybe underrated in some ways. He hasn't been able to really stay healthy, but when he's on the field, the dude's a ball player now. He's got a completion percentage on his career of 63%. In a Jeff Brom kind of offense, we've seen what he can do with quarterbacks. I think this is a sneaky big get. For Louisville. Now, also talking about dominoes, uh, 
when it comes to some other quarterbacks that are looking for spots. Now, remember, Louisville was in the uh, the DJU sweepstakes, or at least they were rumored to be in that sweepstakes. Uh, Kyle McCord, he jumped in the portal on Portal Monday, and now you know you maybe thought Louisville could be in the in the race for him. They've got their guy, so now the the plot thickens when it comes to DJU potentially Kyle McCord and some of those other quarterbacks. So the dominoes continuing to fall. One more guy I want to talk about here, and that's Brock Vandergriff has committed to Kentucky before we even got on the air. He announced his commitment. Now, this is one that we saw coming. Probably you saw coming as well. Uh, Let's jump into that right now and kind of unpack what that means for Kentucky. So we'll kind of reframe it here so we can snip this for y'all in a a one-off video. But uh, another big quarterback domino to fall there. So Brock Vandergriff was a five-star quarterback in the class of 2021. He has committed to the Kentucky Wildcats. This is a big get for Liam Cohen, for Mark Stoops. They got their guy now. Transfer portal quarterback you just... Gets another one, this time from Georgia. And this is kind of funny because remember what Mark Stoops said after they played Georgia. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he said, we got to have players like Georgia to compete with Georgia. Now, his whole point was around NIL and telling, you know, the powers that be to give more money to the football program. But I don't know, it's kind of funny now. Landed a quarterback from Georgia, so you got a player from Georgia. Um, this makes a ton of sense for Brock Vandergriff now. Um, you get to stay in the SEC which, given your NFL draft hopes, makes a ton of sense. Get to compete in NFL Junior. Get to play against the best talent in the country. Show your stuff that way. Also play in a pro-style system. Liam Cohen, NFL background. For Brock Vandergriff, if you're auditioning for the NFL, this is the best spot to do it at and the best system to do it at. Scouts will watch you and say, hey, we kind of run that similar kind of style of offense. Brock Vandergriff, if he thrives in that, he can probably thrive for us. Also probably a less steep learning curve when he does get to our organization. Also, they have proof of concept. I just called him transfer portal quarterback you because that's exactly what they are. People forget now. Will Levis, he didn't commit to, to Kentucky out of high school. He was at Penn State trying to, trying to get on the field. He was kind of their wildcat quarterback of sorts. Gets to Kentucky. It's a top 50 pick. Now he's making a whole lot of money in the NFL for the Tennessee Titans. Devin Leary, last season, I thought this would work better than it did, to be honest with you. But still, ended up transferring in, playing quarterback for them, and they've proven they can get a transfer portal quarterback on the field. And they, they trust a transfer portal quarterback to be their guy. So they got another one in Brock Vandergriff. And for Kentucky, this makes a ton of sense as well. You get an extremely talented quarterback on your depth chart, probably the most talented quarterback on your depth chart right now. Similar skill set to Will Levis. Okay, mobile is Brock Vandergriff. Uh, six foot three, two ten is BVG. Will Levis at Kentucky was a little bit thicker, right around six three. Uh, 230. This is someone you feel confident in running your show. Like he has all the tools that you need to be successful. Now it's going to be on Liam Cohen and Brock Vandergriff to kind of get synced up now. But the fact that he's transferring in and going to have spring football, I think we can't overlook that. We saw Peyton Thorne transfer in after spring and try to get up to speed with Auburn. I think Peyton Thorne's got a lot of ability, but I think if he had had those 15 practices to gel with that staff, to gel with his receivers and that whole offense, I think it would have served him better. Very important now that Brock Vandergriff is getting there when he's getting there. So here's the other subplot sort of within this whole thing. Uh, Brock Vandergriff coming from Georgia. What does this say about Carson Beck? Because you would imagine if Carson Beck were leaving for the NFL, maybe Brock Vandergriff sits tight for a few more months, goes into the next season, competes for the job. Maybe he's the starting quarterback of the University of Georgia. There's a couple of options here. One is that Brock Vandergriff is just like, hey, man, I got to play now. I've waited my turn. 
I competed for it this past spring. It's past fall. Didn't get it. It is what it is. Like, I'm going to go and try and be somewhere where I can play without a shadow of a doubt. That's one option. The other option is Brock Vandergriff thinks Carson Beck's coming back. <laughs> that's, very, that's very much so a possibility. So we're reading the tea leaves here just a little bit. It sounds like, obviously, with, with no news right now, Carson Beck has not yet declared for the NFL draft. Just keep an eye on this one. You can read into this probably as much as you'd like to, but regardless, big get for Kentucky. Again, a five-star quarterback from the 2021 class, mobile, big arm, tons of juice physically. Like He's going to be someone that I think has the potential now to make this Kentucky offense boom. So big get for Kentucky, great fit for Brock Vandergriff and his NFL hopes and a proof of concept there. Transfer portal quarterback U lands another one. I like that fit a lot. And that was one that we kind of saw right off the bat. Like, okay, Brock Vandergriff, a lot of smoke around Kentucky. There was, even, there was even some smoke that he would commit before he visited. And I think that ended up being the case. But all that's to say, good for, good for uh, Brock Vandergriff, good for Kentucky. We love to see it. Now, uh, it's, it's, not that, it's not just that time of year where it's only players on the move. Uh, coaches are also on the move. And as of this morning, Texas A&M, is set to hire offensive coordinator from Kansas State, Colin Klein. And there's a couple of facets to this. There's the obvious when it comes to the offense and what he brings to the table. The other side of this is, I think, what he brings to the table culturally and the standards he's going to help set at A&M. So we'll kind of unpack both right now. But when it comes to the football side of things, broad strokes like Colin Klein's offenses, they score. They score, and they're freaking tough. Okay, 37 points a game last season. Ran the ball right around 57% of the time. 41 carries a game. Okay, that was who they were. They were, we're going to line it up. We're going to use some motion, some window dressing, give our quarterback some options, and we're coming right at you, north and south. Can you deal with it? Are you man enough to handle us for four quarters? If you're not, we're going to win the football game. And so you kind of, you love that approach there from Colin Klein and Mike Elko. And my first thought with this hire, outside of the scheme, this, this is just Mike Elko doubling down on who he is. He can go out and get someone that doesn't fit his style. He can go out and get a guy who's air raid, who's going to throw it around the yard and kind of be that flashy big name that's going to make all the boosters happy and make all the fan base happy. Like, he went and hired a guy who matches his philosophy. We're going to be tough. We're going to be physical. We're going to have an identity about ourselves. Okay, now I would also say, with the hire of Colin Klein, I would imagine there is some hesitation within this fan base saying, ooh, isn't that the guy who runs the quarterback a lot? Connor Wegman, we love him, but we don't, we don't want to you know, have him doing the whole read the linebacker and then pull it and get downhill. Like We, we, we like Connor Wegman, we don't want him running the football. I think with Colin Klein, a big thing you hear about with him is he is creative and innovative, and he wants to get the right guys the football. So I don't think this is someone that's going to come in here and say, this is the way that I do it. Players, adjust to my scheme. I think he's going to kind of take a look in the cabinet, see what he's got on the roster. See, okay, we got Evan Stewart. We got Connor Wegman. Okay, we got all these, these playmakers. We're going to make sure we get them the football in the most productive way possible. You hear about the way that he utilized Deuce Vaughn. He's going to make sure Deuce Vaughn gets the ball in space and make sure his best player impacts the game. Okay, like that that's who Colin Klein is. So... If you're nervous about the scheme that he ran at Kansas State, I think it's a good starting point. I don't think it's the, uh, the end-all, be-all with what you can expect from your offense this upcoming season. Now, again, going back to what we're saying here, this is all about establishing a clear identity 
and a clear culture for A&M. And the thing I love about this is, yes, Colin Klein is, is tough as a player, was tough as nails, right? Heisman Trophy finalist, dude ran the football like a fullback, like that was who he was. But even more so, Colin Klein, you know what he is? He's a winner. One at Kansas State, as a player and as a coach, um, has been a part of winning operations. We said this yesterday, talking about the whole Evan Stewart thing and talking about you know what Mike Elko was going to do with setting standards, and that wasn't anything to say of Evan Stewart. I think Evan Stewart can be a Texas A&M and thrive at A&M, and I hope that's what he does for Colin Klein's sake and for Evan Stewart's sake. But what I'm trying to say here is Colin Klein being a winner, we said it yesterday, standards attract the right people. Okay, Colin Klein left his alma mater to come be a part of what Mike Elko's doing at A&M. People are going to say, yeah, well, J.D. It's the SEC is probably getting a pretty nice chunk of change. I don't doubt that's true. But you have to believe in the nth degree to somebody to follow them, to, to get away from your alma mater. I think that means something. I think that speaks volumes to Mike Elko and what he's doing. I think that speaks volumes to the kind of individual that Mike Elko is to attract someone like a Colin Klein. And again, winning background. Winners want to be around winners. And so as far as I'm concerned, you got a winner as your head coach. you got a winner as your offensive coordinator now running the show and setting the temperature there in College Station. So it's all about the people at the end of the day. And I think you got two really good people with a background of winning running the show now in College Station. And now if A&M is tough as much as they are talented, I wouldn't want to deal with them. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if it's a thing where it works next year or it works in two years. But if they adopt the identity of a Colin Klein and to Mike Elko, it's going to be a tough operation. And if you've got to deal with them for four quarters like you've had to deal with Kansas State, it's going to be a dangerous football team. Be a dangerous football team now. Because Kansas State, man, the last couple of seasons, like what do we always say about them? Hey, they're tough, gritty. You don't really use the word talented right away when you talk about Kansas State. Not to say those players aren't talented. Will Howard, super talented. Deuce Fallman, he was there, obviously, super talented. But to take the roster of what A&M has right now, and pair that with the toughness of Kansas State, I just think that could be a, a really good fit. So I'm excited to watch that and excited to see how that whole unfolds here uh, in the coming months, I suppose, as AM gets rolling here. Hey, appreciate everybody tuning in live, man. Very grateful to have you all here. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Two things we would ask would do a ton for us, cost nothing. We won't hit you in the emails, won't, won't blow up on your text message. Like, just a great way to stay involved with the show. Okay, so thank you so much for that. Uh, let's keep on rolling here. We did the segment yesterday, and we got some really good feedback on it, so we're going to keep it going because there's just enough quantity to go around now, and that is transfer portal quarterback predictions and fits. Now, I want to make sure I say this very, very clearly. Uh, this is purely predictions. Okay, so we're not telling you we have inside information, and this guy's going to this place, and our source is saying this. Like, all we're doing here is predicting where we think these guys could end up at. So, just... Pure speculation here. Want to make sure we're all on the same page there. Uh, first things first, make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. Transfer portal season is on and popping. We got you covered for all things portal, all things college football, every single day of the year. Also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JD Piquel. Appreciate y'all for that. All right, probably one of the biggest names in the transfer portal right now is DJ Uwe Ungalale. Looking for a new spot after Jonathan Smith took the job at Michigan State. And a school that keeps on coming up for DJU, man, Florida State. And some people are saying, well, Florida State, do they, is DJU really a fit there? Are we sure? Like we saw him at Clemson and he didn't really crush it in the ACC. 
went to Oregon State, managed that pro-style offense pretty well. Here's why I think Florida State makes sense. One, the Louisville domino has already fallen with Tyler Shuck committing there. They were also in the DJU sweepstakes, reportedly. Mike Norvell, and Andy Staples said this on our transfer portal show, I think he hit it right on the head. Mike Norvell has seen his fair share of DJU. Like, Mike Norvell isn't wondering what he's getting in a DJ Uyunglele. So the fact that Florida State keeps on coming up as a name for him, I think means something. Also, the experience of DJU with how much football he's played, you plug him into that roster, I think it makes a lot of sense. Also, Florida State, we've seen portal guys go there and thrive. Like, if if I'm DJU, I'm saying, okay, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be able to get in right away and there is tools around me to succeed. By nature of the other guys that have portaled in there, I think that probably speaks volumes to the tools that he would have to succeed. And uh, I can't imagine this doesn't hurt things. Would be nice to get back to the ACC. And if DJU goes to Florida State and crushes it, I think that just further kind of points the finger inadvertently at Clemson and saying all those things y'all had to say about me, all those things that you had to say about the offense and our lack of production. Does DJU have some blame in that? Yeah, probably so. But I do think his time at Oregon State, one, has made him a different player, given his experience there. And I also think it wasn't just a DJU thing at Clemson. Probably doesn't hurt that they play them next season as well. Also, Florida State very clearly in the transfer portal quarterback market by nature of all the buzz around those different uh, names that are in there right now. So I think DJU to Florida State makes a ton of sense. Now, here's one that's interesting. Kyle McCord. Now, there's a lot of rumors, or I say rumors, there's a lot of buzz right now. You look at the Twitter sphere, you look at you know the schools that are in communication with Kyle McCord. Nebraska is the one that comes up right now. I'll be honest, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. Nebraska just seems like a weird fit to me. Chuba Purdy was successful last year at the end of the year for Nebraska, regardless of what they did from a win-loss perspective. If I'm Kyle McCord, I might just, just want to go somewhere else and kind of hit the reset button to have a fresh start. And a school that could make some sense here, how about Miami? Kyle McCord throwing up the U and Coral Gables, just get totally out of where you've been. Get out of the Northeast, get out of the Midwest, go all the way down to South Florida and be in an offense that is quarterback friendly, be in a place where I think pretty much mirrors where Kyle McCord is at. Like Kyle McCord is in the spot now where he's had some success, still got some doubters. To me, that's Miami. Had some success, improvement from year one to year two, probably still got a pretty sizable chip on their shoulder. Go to a new place. New surroundings, new offense under Shannon Dawson. It's going to allow you to throw the football a little bit more. Kind of the Bo Nix effect, if you will. New surroundings, less pressure. It could be a really good fit there for Comic Court. So we'll go ahead and call our shot there for Miami. I'm also curious about NC State. That could be one to watch as well, but we'll call our shot there for Miami. Now, this is one that's got probably the most smoke right now. That is Will Rogers. Will Rogers... We're going to go ahead and say that the uh, the Washington smoke is real, is our call is our uh, shot we're calling there. I think that's a great fit. We'll predict Will Rogers to Washington. Because if you're Will Rogers, you've already done the pro-style thing, right? You did it last year. Wasn't really your vibe. Wasn't really your jam. You don't need to try and run into a brick wall just to prove you can run into a brick wall again. Let's go double down on what we do best and give NFL scouts something to watch, which is, hey, I can throw the ball all over the yard. Yes, I played in the air raid offense under Mike Leach, rest in peace, but I can deal the pill now, just to be clear. 
Go see what he did with, uh, or go see rather what Michael Penix did under Ryan Grubbs, under Kalen DeBoer. Say, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah, I think that offense fits my skill set just fine. Same thing with Kyle McCord. Get out of your comfort zone. Go to a new place on the West Coast. Make it just about ball. Throw it 37 times a game. Like, that would be a great fit. And I think it does sort of remind scouts that, hey, this is the guy that actually is top five in touchdowns in the SEC. This is the guy that's top two in all-time yards in the SEC. Like, maybe just maybe that's a fit for uh, for Will Rogers. I like that a lot. I'm sure Aaron Murray also would uh, be just fine with Will Rogers getting out of the SEC. So, Take that as you will. Now, Grayson McCall is another name that gets thrown around right now. Uh, Auburn was in the mix for him a season ago. That sort of fell apart at the one-yard line. A lot of smoke right now around NC State. NC State makes a ton of sense. If he went there, I wouldn't be overwhelmingly surprised. To me, though, the better fit is the school that uh, is getting some more traction lately with him is UCF. UCF, to me, is a better schematic fit with Gus Malzahn and how quarterback-friendly that offense is really allows you to you know utilize your dual threat abilities also get to go out to a place where you know they're up to a power five I guess you call it a power four conference right now in the big 12 not that NC State isn't I just think it's the best skit or the best fit from a skill set you also have proof of concept with a transfer portal quarterback there in John Rice Plumley. now Brennan Armstrong and NC State also was a transfer quarterback there but I think there was maybe a little bit more success marginally with the John Rice Plumley has a top 20 QBR in the country from this past year I like that fit. Grayson McCall is a guy who thrived in kind of this uh, triple option-esque offense at Coastal Carolina when Jamie Chadwell was there. I think he could be a guy that thrives at UCF with Gus Malzahn. I think he's just with the doctor ordered. I think that could be a really, really good fit. Uh, Now, Mississippi, (laughs) I just gave away our our next one. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is an interesting interesting player to talk about right now because it kind of fell apart at Miami, right? It, It wasn't... It wasn't how he hoped it would go when he finished his career at Miami. It wasn't how Miami hoped it would go. And the thing that I keep on coming back to with Tyler Van Dyke is like, man, I've seen the dude throw the football. We all saw in 2021 him just absolutely throw the ball all around the yard under Rhett Lashley and have him be extremely successful, put up great numbers, and we're all like, who is this dude at Miami? Hey, the U is on their way back. And then you change OC, and then you change OCs again. And at the end of this story, Tyler Van Dyke is benched in Coral Gables, and we're all like, what What happened? And to me, I keep saying this, and I'm going to go down with this ship here. Like, I do not believe that Tyler Van Dyke got worse at football. I look at the different systems he's played in, and you say, okay, well, when you were a little bit more of a pass-friendly offense under Rhett Lashley, a little more up-tempo, he was really successful. And Rhett Lashley, I think, already has a quarterback at SMU and Preston Stone, so that wouldn't make sense to me. But I look at places that need a quarterback— Jeff Levy in Mississippi State, I think could be a great fit. Jeff Levy's made it pretty clear, hey, we're going to go to the portal to get a guy, and he'll come in here and make our room better, and he'll compete for his job. Jeff Levy and what he does offensively spreads you out, makes you cover the entire width of the field. They're going to run the football first, and then when you try and overcommit with those safeties and try and overcommit with those linebackers to the run game because we're gashing you, then you get some really easy quarterback throws downfield. Okay, I think that makes sense for Tyler Van Dyke. I think it would be... Uh, tremendous for him to show up at a spot like that in the SEC, kind of underdog role, under bulldog role, if you will, when it comes to Mississippi State and their mascot. I like this fit a lot. Now, again, we're purely speculating. There is no smoke at the time of us being live around Mississippi State and Tyler Van Dyke, but I would like that fit a lot, and I think that would make a ton of sense if you're able to land him in Starkville. 
So we'll uh, we'll see where things fall here as we get further and further into portal season and get a better gauge for uh, the market, if you will, and, and who's in the market for a transfer portal quarterback. But all those names to me make sense, and I think all those schools will be in the market for a transfer portal quarterback. All right, let's, let's keep a good thing going here now. Hey, appreciate everybody tuned in live. This show is live three times a week, okay? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you're just finding us because of portal season, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here because it's college football and only college football every single day right here on the On3 YouTube channel, right here on the show, The Hard Count, all right? You're probably tired of all the hot takes and agendas and extra additives when it comes to this sport. Like, we don't do that here. We played ball. We get to watch it now as a fan, and we get to enjoy it just like y'all. So that's how we talk about the sport. That's how we unpack this thing together, and it truly is a, a community of sorts. So we're glad to have you here. Subscribe to be a part of it. All right, now, uh, a lot of talk around the transfer portal, right? A lot of talk around the portal, a lot of talk around guys that are on the move. Uh, we forget now there is some bowl games here that are going to happen, and we don't call bowl games meaningless, and we definitely don't call the college football playoff meaningless. And Texas is finding themselves right there in the race for a national championship. we got to talk about Texas right now. Texas has kind of flown under the radar when it comes to the national landscape because of Florida State being left out, because of Alabama getting that fourth spot. Like, we all just kind of glossed over the fact that Texas was number three in the college football playoff rankings. Not four. They didn't just sneak in there. They were the third team in, all right? That means something. Now, they'll have the Sugar Bowl game against Washington. That'll be a tremendous semifinal game. But how much did we talk about Texas in the preseason? How many naysayers were there around Texas? Because this is what you heard. Hey, all that Texas hype once again. Here comes the Texas hype train. Hey, all bark and no bite for Texas once again. Same old Texas. If you're a Texas Longhorn fan this morning, you get to look at all those people and say, now what? Now what? And they're going to tell you, well, you're not going to win the national championship. You say, we're not talking about the national championship. We're talking about you telling us once again we would go 8-4, and four, we'd be 7-5. and five. Quinn Ewers wasn't really that guy. Steve Sarkeesian wasn't the right guy to bring Texas to a, a Big 12 title. All that talk in the preseason, they're all wrong now. And you can tell them that if you're a Texas fan. So one, enjoy that. Congratulations. Two, here's the other thing I want to make sure we, we get out ahead of. Well, y'all aren't back. Well, Texas isn't back. Y'all, Texas being back is propaganda. Texas being back, for those of y'all listening on podcasts, we're using the air quotes. We break those out here every now and then. Texas being back was always a fake thing. It was always a fake thing. Because even if they win a national championship this season, you'll have people that say this, well, what about when they get to the SEC? Well, what about, what about sustaining that? Can they, do it, can they do it for an extended period of time? Give me the, the Auburn, Cam Newton vibes. What about when Quinn Ewers leaves? Can Arch... Can, can he be that guy to keep y'all rolling? Texas being back is never somewhere we're going to arrive at. And that's not to me to talk down on Texas. That's me just telling you, don't worry about the whole we're back conversation. Okay? Because back is one thing and something that I think nobody will ever 110% nail down. You'll never get a, an entire room of people 100% agreed upon Texas being back. But I will say this. Texas, I think, has arrived. And the, th the reason why I use the word arrived is nobody here with this Texas operation right now that won the Big 12 and that's competing for a college football playoff national championship now, they weren't there when people were talking about Texas being down. 
Like, yes, there were some guys that were there during the five and seven year, but I mean like early 2000s. I'm talking about like 2010, two, two, 2015, when Texas wasn't necessarily as incredible as you would have liked. Steve Sarkeesian wasn't there. Quinn Ewers wasn't there. Tavondre Sweat wasn't there. Like all these individuals are a part of New Texas. And I think New Texas has just what I said. I think they've arrived. Because it's not just about the result. The result is nice. The result is a byproduct of the way that they do things. But that's exactly what I want to make sure we, we hone in on here. The way that Texas does things, you can tell this is a different Texas. So the Big 12 title is a byproduct of the little things. Their response mechanism they have. We said all, all throughout the year, we wanted to see Texas pass different tests. Y'all, they've checked all the boxes now. Checked all the boxes. How do you do when you walk into Tuscaloosa, Alabama? All the hype. All the things said about how close you were the year before. Can you get over the hump? Can you, can you handle the spotlight? They handled it. They beat Texas as a touchdown dog in Tuscaloosa. They actually beat them by double digits. A big reason why they found themselves in that college football playoff. Okay, well, now, now there's no secret about Texas. Now Quinn Ewers got a bullseye on his back. Can Texas handle it? They handled it pretty well for the most part. You get to Red River, you lose that game. Don't have your best day. No secret. And everyone was saying, okay, here we go now. Here comes the unraveling of Texas. We've seen it before. A little bit of adversity hits, and they just they can't handle it. What does Texas do? They win the rest of their games. Quinn Ewers goes down, and Malik Murphy steps up. How do you handle it without your guy in the offense? Texas checks boxes, finds a way to win. Finds a way to win every single week. So what I want to say is the little things, the way Texas responds, that's new Texas. That's who Texas is. Not the roster, not the talent they have, not the quarterback they have. The way Texas does things is why I think they're the new Texas. Okay? Success isn't linear. Just so we're clear, like going forward, if Texas goes 9-3 and three next year, this year wasn't fake. There's nothing fraudulent about Texas. It's just not going to be a, you know, 11-1 season every single year in the regular season. But what I would say is everything is pushing the right way if you're Texas. Right now, top 10 class in 2024 on the recruiting trail. Last season, number three class in 2023. Teams win right now. That's true. Year to year, you have different teams. Staff in culture is what sets the foundation for winning in the future. That's where success is sustained. Like the staff and the locker room right now is in a place where if they can keep it intact and keep those standards where they are, that's what's going to win in 2024, 2025, 2026, and beyond. And to be clear, I think Steve Sarkeesian has got this foundation like finally laid how he would like it to be. And that's not to say they're not still going to lose people. Like, it's the expectation now that as you're successful, your staff, they're going to get other jobs. Your position coaches might get coordinator offers. Your coordinators might get head coaching offers. Like, that's the nature of being successful in college football is people try to take what you have, bottle it up, and bring it to their place. But we see that with Texas, or excuse me, we see that with Bama, we see that with Georgia. And what do they do? The culture. The person in charge, Steve Sarkeesian, that sets that culture, that continues to roll. So that's, I think, the next evolution for Texas. We're going to see it here, whether it's this year, whether it's in two years. The staff is going to change. The players, they're going to graduate, leave for the NFL. God bless them. That's, that's the best part about being a college football player is reaping the rewards of, of what you did during the season and going and playing in the NFL. 
I shouldn't say it's the best part. It's, it's a pretty nice part. It's, it's the fruits of your labor, if you will. They're going to be talented. But the culture that Steve Sarkeesian has installed there and the guys in the locker room, that next class upholding that because Tavondre Sweat did it this way, so we got to do it this way. Keelan Robinson, hey, he would score a touchdown, then run down on kickoff and make a tackle. We got to do it that way. That standard being set and Steve Sarkeesian keeping that standard set, that's why they'll be successful. And I will say this too. I, I, I think Steve Sarkeesian learned a lot under Saban. And I think he's going to do a pretty good job keeping that intact. So we're not predicting anything, but I would just say, I think everything you're seeing right now is real. So we'll get to the playoff. We'll get to the game against Washington and maybe the national title if Texas wins that game. But if you're a Texas fan today, everybody was wrong about y'all that had anything negative to say. Everyone that said it was all hype, that said, don't drink the Kool-Aid, they're all wrong today. So don't let the chase for back, air quotes again, detract from the joy of y'all have arrived. New Texas has arrived. Plain and simple. You love that for them, man. That's a fan base that's been through it now. They've been through it. Even the reputation of these Texas fans, man. Like they, A lot of people saying, well, they're unrealistic. They expect to win a national title every single year. I don't think that was true either. I think they were reasonable. I think they just wanted to have things headed the right direction. If you're a Texas fan, you got to feel pretty good about everything headed the right direction at this point in time. All right, now, let's, uh, let's keep on rolling here. We're going to get to your questions here in just a second. If you'll notice, there's a Q&A tab. So if you're in the live chat asking a question, phenomenal. But make sure that gets under the Q&A tab, little on three logo. It says Ask JD three times, the keeper of the Q Nick break. We're going to get to those here in just a few short minutes. All right, so get those questions in right now. I'm going to talk about the portal a little bit more. We'll get to your thoughts, concerns, and uh, takes in just a few minutes. All right, so what's happening in the portal? Like, what, what really goes on when it comes to the transfer portal? Because every single year now, two years in a row, you have people saying we're going to see the best players on the very best teams leave for the portal. And that's not to say we haven't still seen really good players jump in the portal or say they intend to enter the transfer portal. I think that's 100% the case. But we were told there would be like these tier one guys, these guys that are you know going to be Heisman Trophy candidates jumping in the portal. We haven't really seen that. Every single year, we kind of have this big buildup. We get to Portal Monday. The portal ends, and we're like, hmm, it was good. Well, you know, it wasn't, wasn't underwhelming by any sense, but it also didn't have the same sizzle that maybe we wanted it to have. So why is this happening? Most guys who jump in the portal, like, they've had those conversations ahead of time as to where they're going to go. So let's kind of reset this whole conversation. Like, the, the names we're seeing in there, we're seeing them in there because they have been, I guess, allowed to go for the most part, if that makes sense. The reason why you're not seeing those tier one guys is because whenever they, I'll, I'll, re- I'll kind of reset this conversation for us here a little bit. The people that jump in the transfer portal, when you jump in, you know where you're going for the most part. Not every single guy, but a lot of these guys know where they're going. How? Back channel communication. We had a transfer portal show here on Monday, on Portal Monday. Andy Staples and I sat right here at this desk, and he said the same thing. Everybody has a guy during their recruitment in high school, right? You have a trainer, it's a parent, it's somebody that on your behalf is the communication point, more or less, for your recruitment. So the same logic with, well, I'm not going to leave my job unless I have another job. That conversation is happening behind closed doors 
with these transfer portal guys. Okay, so maybe your your trainer says, hey, listen, School X, they might have a spot for you if you were to jump in the portal. Okay, so I already know I want to go to School X before I even enter my name in there. It's, it's already a done deal, okay? The other part of this is why are you, you know, not having bigger names jump in there? Because if I'm unhappy and I'm a tier one guy, I find out what I'm worth in the NIL world, again, through back channel communication at school X and school Y. And I take that to my school and say, hey, I can get this much somewhere else. If y'all aren't going to take me seriously, I'm probably going to go somewhere else. And so the collectives that have their ducks in a row and that are able to, you know, kind of plan for something like this and have the resources for something like this say, okay, well, don't put your name in the portal. You're not jumping in the portal. We're going to make sure you're taken care of. So that tier one guy that was going to jump in the portal, that, that was looking around before he even put his name in the portal, you never saw his name in the portal. You never saw that Hayes Fawcett graphic or the on three tweet come out there because those collectives are like, nope, we're, we're, we're keeping you here. We're keeping you here. So what I want to say is more often than not, again, when a guy does jump in the transfer portal, when a guy does put his name in there, he knows where he's going, and those conversations have already... Like, like the portal is sort of just a vehicle to get where he wants to go. So, that's kind of the, the, the long and the short of that right there. Now, I also would say this, too. We're at a point now where you hear a lot about player mobility, and you hear about, you know, the grass is always greener, these players are greedy, selfish this, selfish that. Notice now, we're seeing schools, we're seeing staffs do the exact same thing as these players are doing. Hey, the grass might be greener in the portal for X position. Maybe, just maybe, we're going to tell the guy who's currently there and say, hey, we appreciate you. We're going to bring in somebody else. You stay if you want to, but here's what we're going to do. Knowing all the, all the while, we may lose the guy that we just talked to. We're going to go after this position to help ourselves. So it works both ways is what I want to say. Yes, the portal takes. The portal also gives. And these coaches aren't just using the portal in a reactionary sense. They are being proactive. Hey, we have a problem in this position. We think we can get better. We're going to go in the portal, grab them out, bada bing, bada boom. So th there's so much made about player mobility. There's also a lot of roster mobility for these coaches. And I think we're seeing the grass is greener effect also happen within the transfer portal for these staffs. So again, like to, to recap it for us here to lay it out, because we just, th just threw a lot out there. The players that jump in the portal, more often than not, they already know where they're going. They already know where they're wanted. They already know what the deal is. These big-time players that aren't jumping in the portal that you're being told are going to or you're hearing, hey, this, this year's the year where the, the Heisman Trophy candidates are jumping in the portal this year because they want to try and leverage their NIL. They want to see what they're worth. They already know what they're worth. They're not wondering, can I get X amount of dollars from school A, B, and C? They already know. You know why? Because their guy told them. So they take that to the school, they take that to the collective, they take it to whoever the powers that be are and say, I can get this much from this place. Can y'all match that? Collectives with their ducks in a row and have a good understanding of how things work say, yeah, we're going to take care of that. You never even hear about them. Even, you never hear whispers about them jumping in the portal. So roster retention is where a lot of the NIL dollars are going right now. And that's a big reason why you're not seeing those names you were told you were going to see jump in. Finally, rosters, as much as they're losing guys staffs are also more than happy to go in the portal and tell other guys hey you don't have a spot because we're bringing in x y and z guy so works both ways the grass is greener syndrome is kicking in for players and for coaches and for staffs 
And uh, it's a wild world of college football right now. I promise you it is not done evolving. We've got a lot more going to unpack here in the, in the coming days. Keep it locked right here for all your portal coverage. We've got portal updates every single day, every single live show right now on this on this, uh, this show, The Hard Count, and on all of the On3 socials. So follow the Transfer Portal underscore X page, Twitter page, whatever you want to call it. Follow On3 on Twitter. Follow Pete Nakos on Twitter. Dude is on fire when it comes to portal coverage. Keep it dialed right here, all right? And take care of you. JD? Gonna take care of you. Yes, sir. I uh, got a couple uh, transfers. How's that? Let's go, man. I I'll, love it. I'll, I'll build up. So first and foremost, this is an, a significant transfer, but it is kind of interesting. Mike Gundy's son, uh, Gunnar Gundy, has entered the portal. Portal is set to leave. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting. Oklahoma State. But this is more important. This is per Hayes Fawcett, and um, I always get this player's name wrong, so you're gonna have to correct me. But Georgia cornerback is it? It's Nyland or Nealon Green? Nyland Green. Nyland yeah, Green. Okay. Um, yes. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, he's planned to enter the transfer portal. Wow. This is a plan. Plans to enter. It's not officially interesting. But interesting. That's happen. a guy again. Five-star recruit jumping in the portal. That's curious. I mean, I think some of that too, especially at those big-time schools. You wonder how much of that is just like, hey, man, this we're loaded here. Like same thing with Brock Vandergrift. Brock Vandergrift. You don't doubt his ability because he didn't get on the field at Georgia. It was just like, hey, it's Georgia, and we got a bunch of five-stars here. Nyland Green was a five-star in the class of 2021. Very interesting. Hey, how about how about Kale Gundy jumping in the portal? Yeah. What do you think that was like with his dad having that conversation? I don't know. That's curious. Um, I thought it was worth That is interesting. I appreciate you. you bringing that juice on here, Nick. What about this one? Uh, Mississippi State receiver Xavier Thomas um, was a four-star out of high school. He's a sophomore. He's heading out of the portal, too. Okay. So that's another one. Man, I'm telling you, it just every like we just keep refreshing. I, I'm pretty positive we'll get off the air here. Or okay, Gunner Gundy jumped in the portal. Yeah, wild, wild. wild. I said Kale Gundy. I was incorrect. In, in oh, that, sorry, uh, yeah, Gunner Gundy. In that name, mm-hmm. I was I was off off base there. Gunner Gundy jumping in the portal. Yeah, man. I mean, it really is one of those things where like you got to keep your head in the swivel these days when it comes to the portal. <laughs> yeah, everybody I, is always somebody is always jumping in. Someone is always jumping in. I need to make it worth Twitter like automatically refreshes i guess that's on tweet deck if that's still a thing i don't know um it's a it's brutal man i hadn't refreshed it for 30 minutes and i missed there were four different players uh, raheem sanders for arkansas uh, obviously in the three i name so yeah that's a lot of you know just casually four uh throughout our show portal gives and the portal takes nick i appreciate that man hey you know what we're about to come back to you here in just a few short seconds uh, i'm gonna do a quick ad read here let the people know what we got going on and uh, we'll come right back to you sound good yep all right so get those questions in right now, again, under the Q&A tab. If you're getting in the live chat, we love that. Thank you. But your questions will be answered in the Ask JD Q&A. So get after that in there. We'll have a good time. We appreciate y'all so much for that. All right. So here's the deal now. You finished the regular season. You finished your conference title games. So if your team is lucky enough to be bowl eligible, luck may have nothing to do with it. You got one more game. One more game in the 2023 campaign to soak it in, to enjoy the fact that we got college football being played until we're sitting there in March, just feeling like we, we, we just are hankering for some college football. And you got to go look on YouTube and find full game, you know, replay to watch your favorite team. Game time is going to make sure that you get to soak in your last bit of college football for your favorite team in person. Okay, best tickets for the lowest prices guaranteed. That's how game time gets down. So the the best part about game time, the couple best parts about game time, one is that you can wait right up to the day of the event. 
So you're thinking about going to the bowl game. Hey, maybe I want to go see Ohio State, play Missouri and Dallas. Maybe I want to go. Maybe I don't. I live in the DFW area. Wake up the day of. You know what? I want to go. Two taps. Again, best prices guaranteed for your best tickets. Right to your phone. You're good to go. Get you to Jerry World. We'll have a good time watching that game. So here's what I want to make sure we do. Game time. Download the app. And if you find a ticket in the same row or section for less, 110% of the difference credited right back to you. So again, download the Game Time app, redeem code HARDCOUNT when you create an account. So create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. That's H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, HARDCOUNT, terms apply. So redeem that code when you sign up, $20 off your first ticket. Was going to be a $100 ticket. Knock 20 bucks off. We're out of the triple digits. We're in the $80 range. Bada bing, bada boom. We're good to go. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right. Well, let's get after it now. We got a lot going on with the portal. Got a lot going on with um, coaching moves as of this morning with Colin Klein. Want to hear from y'all now. And if we don't get to y'all today, we are back on the air tomorrow. Okay, 11 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're always on the air at those times, live on this show. So you want to do the Q&A? Great. That's the way to do it. So, Nick, we got a, a good crowd today, man. What are the people saying? A great crowd. Um, first, I'm going to say, you know, with, when there's this many questions, I'm going to mostly focus on ones that aren't about something we covered already in the show. Um, like, you know, different teams, just to try to, you know. I love that. Spread it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so, yeah, with that being wealth. said, Box talking about Wisconsin. Do you see Luke Fickle? Going into the portal and landing one of these top 10 quarterbacks. You know, that was one that I thought was curious. I almost talked about uh, a uh, Tyler Van Dyke being a fit there because they're, you know, a little bit more air raid-ish with Phil Longo running the show there. I think they'll at least be in the market. Tanner Mordecai I thought was good. You maybe can bring in somebody to push him a little bit. So I, th I think they'll kick the tires. How hard, I don't know. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin were to be in the mix if they were able to land one of those one of those top guys. So I think if you can get one of those top guys, you go after it and you take it and say, all right, best man win, go battle it out. Um, but if not, I think you're fine riding with Tanner Mordecai and you can just kind of trust the progression for him. Great question, though. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Box. Um, next question coming from Ant Robinson. Where do you see Auburn? Um, where do you see the Auburn class finishing and recruiting, and how do you think they're going to do in the portal? Ooh, good question. I expect them to be fairly active in the portal. Now, on the recruiting trail, man, they've been making some push. They're making some push. Uh, I believe they just had a big flip. Was it maybe a week ago? Maybe it was even just in the last week or so, Nick. They've been throttling up the rankings. Um, in 2024, let's see where they are right now currently. I want to make sure I don't give us inaccurate information. Right now, they're sitting there at 11, so on the outside looking in. But they flipped Cam Coleman, five-star-plus kind of wide receiver. It's very clear that Hugh Freeze has some juice on the recruiting trail. I expect as we get further and further into signing day, great recruiters, what they do is they close. They close really well, and Hugh Freeze being one of those guys. Um, there's an understanding now. They want to get the roster to a certain point in Auburn, Alabama, and they don't feel like they're there right now. And that was a big reason why you saw the push in the transfer portal. That's a big reason why you're seeing them push hard on the recruiting trail. So... All that's to say, where do I think they'll finish? Uh, Nick, I I'd go so far as to say I think they'll be in that top 10 when we finish on National Signing Day. Now, I don't have any information to back that up, just my feel on it with them being at 11 and with Hugh Freeze being so great at closing and, and being able to flip a guy like Cam Coleman. Uh, I think they're in good shape. So 
I'll go ahead and just call my shot and say, I, th I think they'll be somewhere in the top 10 on signing day, Nick. How's that? Sounds good. Uh, DJ Daniels, what do you think about the possibility of Willie Korn or Jeff Scott as the next OC for University of Florida? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Because Billy Napier likes to call his own plays. To my understanding, Willie Korn hasn't called plays yet. That's curious to me. I, I wonder if they'll bring in an OC. To be honest, I don't have a ton of like thoughts on that. I just think it's interesting that we're even having OC conversations right now about Billy Napier and about Florida in general. Getting Graham Mertz back was huge. I almost, if I'm, if I'm Billy Napier, I'm almost like, hey, let's double down. I'll stick to calling the plays. You know, Graham Mertz will, will run the show. He's in the second year. Like we kind of we're comfortable together. Let's see if we can't have some success because of growth. Like we live in such an instant gratification society in college football, especially with the portal and with coaching changes and all that. Like let's let's let it bake a little bit. Let's see where things are this time next year. And you know, I, I think there's. We'll probably talk Florida on tomorrow's show. Like, we'll have a full segment on Florida tomorrow. But, like, I have a hard time getting behind the thought that Billy Napier just isn't the guy in Gainesville. And maybe maybe we're the last ones to get off that branch. And if we are, it is what it is. But, like, Mike Norvell wasn't crushing it at Florida State his first two years either. I think they went 3-6 and six in the COVID year. They went 5-7 and seven the next year. We're an onside kick away from being able to go to a bowl game against Florida, actually. And, like, his third year, everyone's like, hey, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. He's going to be gone by Halloween. And then they won 10 games. It takes a second. It takes a second. And Billy Napier didn't inherit a ready-made situation. So, again, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't hire an OC, Nick, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised. Both good names, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just stuck with what they had this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um Daizu or uh, Dezu, if I'm saying that wrong, please correct me. I don't, no one wants to hear their name wrong. If FSU goes with DJU, what does what does this mean? mean excuse me for Tate Rotomaker and for Brock Glenn. Um, I think it probably. I, I don't want to speculate too heavily here. You would imagine it means more for someone like Tate Rotomaker because Brock Glenn was a true freshman this past season. So DJU for one year, okay, get another year of experience in that offense get another year being able to learn under someone like DJU we'll go from there uh, the eyes would then turn to Tate Rotomaker and see what he decides to do I guess I'll, I'll say that I mean you don't want to you don't want to speculate or project too much but it, that would be the the situation to watch Brock Glenn I think is probably pretty stable in Tallahassee regardless of if they roll with Tate Rotomaker next year or they bring in someone like a DJU or another portal quarterback uh super chat thank you very much from KB82 uh, what's happening with Colorado? Why is everyone leaving? Is there a uh, another or any quality players coming in with the O line or the D line via recruits or the transfer portal, JD? Yeah, it remains to be seen about what they bring in. We said this on a this was maybe last week's live show for Colorado. Man, the the issue that I have there is the optics are just kind of bad. Like the optics right now scream dysfunction. You've lost your third coach, a coach that you demoted was then hired as a head coach. So Sean Lewis was the OC, demoted during the season, even though the offense was rolling. He says, okay, well, I'm going to leave, gets a head coaching job at San Diego State. Like, doesn't look great from the outside looking in when it comes to Colorado. So they, they've got their issues. Um, I will say this too, though. When it comes to Deion Sanders, anything he does is under a microscope. So if Deion Sanders is able to get a win streak of two games or three games like we saw this past season, that gets magnified. That gets pumped up by nature of just who Deion Sanders, who Coach Prime is. Everybody gets to see that at a much more visible, exposed level. So what I'm trying to say is his good things 
mean a little bit more. His bad things, they probably get publicized a little bit more too, but I just want to make sure we say like, he's he will be able to make up some ground here if they can get things headed the right direction. But obviously, like that question's, I mean, implies like they got to get better on the line of scrimmage. There's no way around that. Uh, I don't know if they have the portals, you know, I don't know if they have the space in the roster to be able to be as active in the portal as they were a year ago. I know they don't actually. They, they can't be, they can't bring in another 50 guys, but they will have to be active to some degree to be able to retool that roster and, you know, make some some uh, some key adjustments. So line of scrimmage is obviously it, but what's wrong there? Um, there's probably a couple things you could say, and I think dysfunction, the optics, is the biggest thing that's wrong. JD, as just a as a sports fan, I, I would love if they got that figured out and they became a superpower. Oh, it'd be, be awesome. Remember how awesome it was the first yeah, three Yeah, oh, weeks? it was so fun. It would be so fun for college football. You kind uh, of felt the whole time, you're like, man, I don't know this has the staying power. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like a sugar high. Yeah. Like you, you chug them out and do, you're like, I'm, I'm never going to die. This is going to be the, I'm going to just live yeah. on this high forever. But you knew like, all right, at some point in time, I'm probably going to crash. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of knew that with Deion yeah. Sanders. Like, it, Hey, we're looking at the roster, looking at how they get down. Like I'm probably, probably going to, probably going to happen. We're going to, we're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. And we'll see where they go forward. Hopefully Yep. in the right direction for yep. Colorado fans. Uh, Timothy says, J.D., What's the biggest difference between having an offensive-minded head coach and having a defensive-minded head coach? And did you have a preference as a player and now as a fan? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I think the fan in you just likes to see offensive head coaches because I think the difference is probably... It doesn't have to be a difference if you hire the right offensive coordinator. Um, Yeah, I think the difference probably lies with your staff. I don't know there's a difference so much philosophically. Uh, I think the one major difference could be if you're an offensive coordinator, you might prefer to... Or if you're an offensive-minded head coach... You might call your own plays like we saw with Billy Napier, like we saw with Lincoln Riley. Um, we go down the list here. Like we'll probably see with Jeff Levy at Mississippi State. So that's one part of it. Um, but again, if you hire the right DC and you hire the right OC, like there's no reason why you have to sacrifice one side of the football for the other. I think as a fan, just for me personally, I like to see points scored. I'm not saying I like to see no defense, but I do like to see my offense score somewhere in the range of 35, 40 a game. So in that way, you just feel a little bit more excited about the kind of games you can play. Like, hey, we get into a shootout, we can win. If our defense has a bad day, we can still score 50 and have a chance to win. So you probably like that part of it. Um, as a player, my head coach was an offensive lineman, so I guess you could say he was offensive-minded in that sense, but I don't know if I have a tremendous gauge for like either side of that. Um, and I always played offense, so I guess I like my head coach being from the offensive side of the ball. So. That's kind of where I fall on that. We're, we, we lean offense here, but we love the defense as well. Yep. You know? Um, JD, time for a few more questions. Let's do it. Yeah, what do you say? Two more? Two more questions. Let's do okay. it. Um, and, like, man, there are so many questions. So if we didn't get it in today, come back tomorrow. And hope if I see one that I glanced at today, put that on the top of the list uh, tomorrow. So two more questions. Like you said, uh, Carlos Allen, JD, do you think FSU will be in the, in the marker for an edge rusher to replace Jared Verse? And for Patrick Payton, as he says, he plans to enter the portal. And who do you think are the best portal centers coming into the uh, transfer portal this year? Thanks, your show rocks. Portal centers. You know what? If I tried to give you a, a gauge for that, I'd be guessing. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Good news, though. M- me too. On3.com, got a nice tab for you for the transfer portal. We got it ranked for you. Position, all players. Like, you go there, get dialed in. You'll have not just not just the top centers. You'll have top to bottom the best centers in the portal. So, 
that's the, the probably the best explanation I could give you for centers. I don't want to guess for you. Uh, give us a little bit of time here. We'll probably be able to circle back to that here in the future and tell you more about the portal as the offensive line stands right now. Um, the original question, though, will they be in the market for an edge rusher? Edge rusher is one of those positions where you probably can never have too much of them. To be honest with you, like if the right guy's in the portal, a talented guy's in the portal, and he wants to come to Florida State, and Florida State wants him to be on their roster, and he's a fit, like I think bada bing, bada boom, of course you're taking him. Uh, I don't know that you would go after an edge just because like you need it. I think you always need it, if that makes sense. Now, again, I think you you hope you keep Patrick Payton there. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Again, just based on things that I've heard, I don't want to give you any like concrete, solid reports. That's what I've heard, that he would like to stay at Florida State, but... We'll see what happens with that. I think regardless, though, you probably do like to retool that that, uh, that defensive line as best you can, losing a guy like Verse. And uh, to be clear, Florida State's been pretty pretty phenomenal using the portal, but especially using the portal on the defensive line. Braden Fisk, Jared Verse. So they're uh, they're in good shape there, and I'm curious to see how they, how they use it this year, but I'm sure they'll be active again and probably have a pretty good hit rate. So yeah. that's good stuff right there, though. I said who will go into the marker because uh, that's what it, and I was like, is that a thing? I'm assuming in mid market, the sure, R and the yeah. T are right next to each other on the keyboard. Yeah, I mean you could, I mean you could marker it down too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I was like, is that a word? I yeah, but yeah. No, you're great. Bad, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, apologies to uh, to Carlos. Great question. Last one. We'll end on this one. And like I said, come back tomorrow. Get your question. Andre Lowe says Tennessee has had a solid base and is bringing in a good recruit, recruiting class. With that and some additions, what do you think the ceiling will be with Nico next season and going forward? Ooh, this is a good question. Is it Nico time next year? It's Nico time next oh, year, that's baby. Awesome. I think a lot of people got their clocks set and waiting for that alarm to go off, and it's it's about to be Nico time as soon as clock strikes triple zeros in that bowl game. Um, it's tough to talk about ceiling with a team like that because the reality is, like Nico Iamaliava could just be him from day one. And if, and if he's like, you know, the end-all, be-all, his first season as the guy at Tennessee, like, there, there probably isn't a ceiling for Tennessee at that point in time. So I want to I speak a little bit delicately about the ceiling. I will say this. Nico Imeliava was our number one player when he came out of high school for us here at On3. So that tells you how highly we think of him. I think his ceiling in general is ridiculously high. Um, he can keep that offense at an, elite, at an elite level. Um, I think he can do things that you saw Hennon Hooker do with him spraying the ball all around the field. Uh, he is extremely talented. And so the issue, I think, with, with Tennessee, or the thing to watch, rather, the issue when it comes to them being successful is how quickly he hits the ground running. From a Tennessee fan, I know there were probably a portion of the fan base calling for Nico early on in the season, calling for Nico at the end of the season. I understand the desire to have him on the field, but the best thing Nico could have done for himself this year, the best thing that Tennessee did for Nico this year, was allow him to sit, learn the offense, get reps in practice, play when the stakes were a little bit lower, and be able to sort of ease him into the college system and college playing life. So I'm excited to see what he does. No secret he's talented, but it is absolutely Nico time. And uh, I think Tennessee can expect to be right around where they are this year and yep. at least more. I think the, I think the ceiling, the, the floor is probably somewhere in my mind, Nick, Eight and four, nine and three. That that's that's the floor, I think, right now. But we'll see what the uh, the schedule looks like in the rest of the way. Uh, JD, we do have a couple more super chats. I don't want to leave. Great, these yeah, out. yeah. Let's bring it. Um, Arturo, this is a really good question. Do you think FSU getting left out of the college football playoffs will expedite Florida State and Clemson's chances of leaving the ACC and starting another round of alignment? And once again, Arturo, thanks for the super chat. Yeah, Arturo, great question. Arturo, the answer is emphatically yes. 
And I think Florida State was already probably working pretty hard to get something like that done. The issue is all the things that lawyers did with the grant of rights and all the you know legal stuff, keeping them in the ACC, I think that's probably a fair amount of hoops to jump through. But I would say when it comes to the amount of money they can make and how high the stakes are for Florida State, and now they got the extra juice, the extra little uh, chip on their shoulder to get out of the ACC, um, I think they uh, I think they will make a pretty strong push. So if they weren't already operating with some sense of urgency, I think they definitely are now. And it's, it's one of those things, Nick, where every single offseason we're told, hey, it's not going to happen. Hey, the grant of rights. Hey, the legal stuff. It's too much. They're going to stay in the conference. And then we fast forward like a couple days, a week later, and wouldn't you know it, school A is leaving for conference B. And so like... At this point, what I'm saying is I don't trust anybody telling me that legally it can't happen. I just, I don't. Not because I know better, just because I've learned to not trust those kind of reports. So I think they're going to work hard to get out of there, and I would be surprised if they're not out of there sooner rather than later, Nick. Okay, uh, last one. This is a one more Super Chat. White Boy Magic, $2. Thank you very much. Washington winning the Natty. Drink it, Bama and Texas. Wow. Drink the juice of I like Washington. It. Good stuff there from Mac McClung. Getting yeah, super chat. Yeah, That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Long, we appreciate yeah, that, man. Very much so appreciate that. Hey, call in your shot. And the thing is, man, like, it's it's not a wild take by any stretch. Yep. It's not. Like, Michael Penix is that dude. When he's on, they're as good as anybody else in the country. Um, I think that their matchups, who they could play, the team that would scare me the most if I'm Washington is Alabama because they play so much man coverage and they're so good playing man coverage. In Washington, they've thrived off of teams not being able to play man well against them and able to kind of, you know, take advantage of some cracks in the armor that way. I, I think Washington being in the national title conversation, like I said, I'll say it again. We said it on a previous live show. I'll say it one more time. They are not TCU. They are better on the line of scrimmage. They have better skill players on the outside. They have a real deal NFL quarterback playing for them, not to throw shade at Max Duggan. Like Michael Penix is that dude. Like they, they would make me very nervous regardless of who they were to to draw but uh that texas game will be will be cinema as you would say nick it'll be cinema that is what i would say um on the on our way out everybody in the comments leave a chat one word who's going to win the national championship Ooh. um yes we do read super chats wicked bronco productions but um, i like yeah that. one word jd i, like I won't ask lot. you you can ask me right now i won't no, i won't ask you not oh, yet I was, I was we've like, got oh, a few man. weeks i don't know either so we'll ask in a few weeks you but to the people in the chat yeah that's good stuff man well that's that's a great call to action too i'm excited to see what the audience says there and who they think is going to win the natty uh yeah. you got something to say well our fan vote today on the poll was texas oh interesting okay good for the folks in the in the 40 acres showing up for the live show yeah getting active yeah good stuff nick i appreciate you brother same time tomorrow same time tomorrow the man the myth the legend nick break telling you what man punching the show producing the show getting live chat doing on-air stuff like Talk about a, a five-tool, four-tool player, whatever it is in baseball. Uh, Nick Brake exceeds that with what he does here for the hard counts. We appreciate him tremendously without question. Appreciate y'all tremendously without question. Appreciate y'all being a part of this show, being in the live chat, getting after it during portal season, getting after it during the playoff and all that. Like We're very, very glad to have y'all. This has been, I'll just say this right now, this has been the most traffic on a Wednesday show we've had. Wind of the season. We said, all right, we want to move to, you know, get some more juice during during the middle of the week, you know, kind of have some more continuity for y'all. Y'all have answered in elite fashion, so we appreciate that tremendously. Same time tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe on your way out the door so you don't miss it. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. I'm J.D. Piquel for Nick Break. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all 
next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.